Thousands of Fort Bragg soldiers are at the center of a response in the Middle East following the killing of an Iranian general during a U.S. drone attack. Most of the 82nd Airborne soldiers deployed on short notice. Brianna Ferry is married to one of those soldiers and tells WXII News. With this one, they just, they called and were like, you're leaving. And it's, it was more so a shock. The Senate is one step closer to approving the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal. The Senate Finance Committee voted overwhelmingly to approve the USMCA, which sends the measure to the full Senate for approval. The committee advanced the bill by a 25-3 to 3 vote, drawing opposition from Republican Senators Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania and Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, along with Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island. The deal passed the House in December. A final vote in the Senate is expected later this week. Bill Rakoff, CBS News, Capitol Hill. A police department in North Carolina says it has requested help from Mexican consulate members in the effort to find a man in Winston-Salem who investigators think was kidnapped during a home invasion in December. A 6.4-magnitude earthquake has struck Puerto Rico, the largest in a series of quakes that have struck the U.S. territory in recent days. Zero Shockley has that. Teams are already out assessing the situation. The mayor of Guayania, Nelson Torres Jordan, said emergency services were looking for anyone injured in the quake. Puerto Rico's power authorities said on Twitter that one of the country's main power plants, which sits near the epicenter, had been damaged, but officials expect to restore power to the island later Tuesday. The U.S. Geological Service said the quake hit at 4.24 a.m., just south of the island, at a shallow depth of 6.2 miles. It said the quake was followed by a string of aftershocks from 5.6 to 4.5 in magnitude. I'm Zaria Shakili. Mike Riley, NCN News. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Tori Holt for dropping by. Chris Batola will be with us later from ESPN and The Athletic on some college basketball. E.J. Manuel is joining us now. The college football championship game is less than one week away. He is familiar with big stadiums, college and pro. The former Florida State and NFL quarterback is now an outstanding analyst for the ACC Network, so he knows the Tigers, well, the Clemson Tigers, especially well. EJ, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great, DG. How are you? I'm doing really well. Before we dive into the stuff that uh, you are now an expert on, the college level, let me tap into your college-slash-pro experience and ask you this, because Matt Rule has just been named the fifth coach, fifth full-time head coach in the history of the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, our statewide audience has a lot of fans of the NFL's Panthers. What would your advice be to Matt Rule, who has spent 20 of the last 21 years dealing with college football players as he's about to take over one of those NFL locker rooms that you're familiar with? Yeah, I would say the biggest advice is try to win the locker room over. I think, uh, you know, Coach Rule is going to go in there and and just be himself. Don't try to be uh, one of those guys. If you're not an authoritarian guy, don't be. If you're a player's coach, be that. If you're a guy that, you know, doesn't want to have a close relationship with your players, be that. Because at the end of the day, you know, and Coach Rule, I'm sure, knows that. He's, he's coaching grown men. He's not coaching guys that are going to study hall uh, after practice. Or, you know, these guys are going home to their wives and to their families. And at the end of the day, they want the football. They want to win games. And, you know, the only way to make money in the NFL is by winning. And if you don't win, uh, things don't go well. So, at the end of the day, I mean, that, that kind of investment that they're putting with him, you know, a, a deal worth – 60 to $70 million 
uh, it says a lot, and I think Coach Will has earned it. But I do know uh, it's definitely not like coaching a college college locker room. I mean, you're, you're dealing with grown men and guys that have some big egos and are expecting you know some success out there on Sunday. Speaking of the leap from college to pro, Tua Tungavailoa of Alabama just had an interesting decision. He's had a lot of injuries. Some wonder if NFL teams will be scared by that. But he's also projected by many to be a high first-round pick. He was there with Nick Saban making the announcement yesterday. As a guy who's been through this ringer, college and pro, uh, what kind of things do you advise to young men in Tua's case? Because obviously uh, he saw whatever the pros and cons as he outlined them. He saw the jump to the NFL, even with some uncertainty, as the best decision. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was the best decision. And I say that because, you know, football is a 100% injury rate. And at the end of the day, you're going to get some nicks, you're going to get some bruises. Uh, and, 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 you know, with Tua going down with that injury that he did and the magnitude of that injury, when you break your hip, I mean, when you break anything, it's yeah. not good, but especially something like your hip. Uh, I, I just felt like the next time that he's strapped on a helmet, you know, if he has the opportunity, it should be in the NFL. Um, you, you go out there and say if he stays at Alabama for another year, something happens to him and he's not able to, you know, maximize his career at the next level that he definitely can play at. So, uh, at the end of the day, he will get drafted. I think he'll get drafted high, and I'm pretty sure whatever team he does go to will go in understanding that, hey, this guy needs to get 100% healthy. We don't need to try to rush him back for week one. I mean, this is a long-term investment for whatever franchise picks him. I think he'll be a really good quarterback at that level, and uh, I thought he's making the right decision moving forward. And to go out there and, and make some money and take care of his family. E.J. Manuel is with us from the ACC Network. Follow him on Twitter nowadays at E.J. Manuel and then the number three at E.J. Manuel 3. Catch him always, of course, on the ACC Network on the TV side as well. Last year, we had the first 15-0 and team in the history of college football, and it came from the ACC with Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers. We already know we're going to have another 15-0 and team as LSU and Clemson both take 14-0 and records in to that matchup next Monday night. My question to you, the quarterback guru, is Is Joe Burrow, given his body of work on his way to the Heisman Trophy, is he significantly playing at a significantly higher level than Trevor Lawrence of Clemson right now? Or did the way Trevor Lawrence played down the stretch, you know, make that more of a wash when you do your, uh, you know, advantage Tigers versus advantage LSU for Monday night? I think you got to give a nod to both guys. And I say that because Joe Burrow did this in the SEC and, uh, you know, to go undefeated in that conference, not to say it, you know, it waters down in the ACC, but let's face it. I mean, the SEC overall yeah. has some of the better teams in the country. I think if, but at 14, say if you take out Oklahoma, you could have put in Georgia, you could have put in Alabama to be in that fourth team in a college football playoff. You still would have a really, really good game. So that's just a lot about that conference. And at the end of the day, Joe Burrow, the season that he had, as a transfer now at LSU, um, going up against those great defenses week in and week out, I think says a lot. But, you know, if you go back and watch that Clemson game versus Ohio State, once Trevor went down with that injury, I think he missed one play. And I'm pretty sure all the Ohio State fans in the crowd were, you know, happy and excited. Obviously, they don't want to see a guy get hurt. But, you know, Trevor's that kind of quarterback. If he goes down, he's not playing on the field for Clemson. Ohio State has a better chance to win, but not so fast. In comes back Trevor, and he hustles back out to the yep. field. And I want to say the next play or the second play after that was a touchdown. So he's that good of a quarterback. And, you know, the funny thing is he's only a sophomore. <laughs> you know, I think people forget that this guy is maybe 19, 20 years old. He's still extremely young. And the upside for him is literally through the roof. I think his upside is going to be crazy. I feel like he's going to be even better than next year. 
Um, so, you know, I, I would say going into this matchup, this is a Tyson versus Holyfield type of matchup. When you think of the adjustment from college to pro that you had to make when you left Florida State, and you think about, ne- well, this year's first-round candidates at the quarterback position, uh, Joe Burrow, of course, Tua just announced that he's leaving, Justin Herbert of Oregon uh, gets a lot of attention as well, and even though Trevor's not eligible this year, let's just throw him into the mix. Do, do you sure. see any complications for some versus others given the styles of offense that they ran uh, or, or is it you know really a case-by-case basis if you were playing you know NFL draft day Mel Kuyper style analyst sure. on the difference between being good in college and being good in the NFL at quarterback right well I'll only speak from my experience I think when you go from college to NFL obviously you're, you're playing better talent but at the end of the day I mean these guys you know, in the NFL, say if you're, you know, you're looking at Stephon Gilmore. At one point, Stephon was playing at South Carolina in college. So it's not like, you know, you, you can't, as a quarterback, you can't, you know, amount to that type of talent level. I mean, these guys will all be there when they're in their sixth, seventh year. They'll be playing at that type of level that a guy like Stephon Gilmore is playing at on the defensive side. But I think it really comes down to who your offensive coordinator is, who your head coach is, who's going to be patient with you, who's going to give you enough time and enough support to help you become a great quarterback, case in point, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, I, I actually got signed by Kansas City in February, so I went with them and worked out, I think, up until July, which is when I retired to take the ACC job because um, I, I had hurt my knee last year. So I didn't want to put my knee at risk to where I'm limping around when I'm 45. But nonetheless, I just saw the rapport that Coach Reed and Pat had, and I felt like when Pat had a chance to sit behind Alex Smith, that was probably the best thing for him because – one, he got to see how you prepare as an NFL quarterback. He got to see how you have a conversation with your offensive coordinator or head coach. He got to see how you go in day in and day out and practice, you know, warm up before a game, traveling to a game, what are you supposed to wear, what time do you show up. All these little small things, DG, matter. And I think whichever quarterback is taken first and is, you know, really afforded that opportunity to kind of sit behind somebody for a little bit, I think it's going to pay off, in, you know, in dividends for a long time. So, you know, case in point, Tua, uh, Tua, he's already coming in with an injury, and I feel like if they give him a chance to really get healthy and he'll have an opportunity to sit and watch first, I think that's going to help pay off for him for a very long time. E.J. Manuel is with us. He was the first-round draft pick of the Buffalo Bills back in 2013 after leading the Florida State Seminoles to all sorts of good things. Since you have spent so much of the last decade in that NFL circle, uh, even though you're now the, the college football guru, let me ask you, since you mentioned KC, when you look at the eight teams still standing that we get to enjoy this weekend going head-to-head, from the outside, it looks to me like the Baltimore Ravens, given Lamar the way Lamar Jackson is playing, and those Kansas City Chiefs that you were a part of, to me, they look like the two best teams, better than anybody in the NFC. What do you see when you think about the things that it takes to win at this stage of the postseason? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, the Chiefs and the Ravens probably do have two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. But I think you can't count out a guy like Russell Wilson at, in Seattle Obviously, you can't count out Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, so that's going to be a really fun game to watch. And then even with the 49ers and the Vikings, I mean, both those guys, uh, Jimmy's been there before. He's won a bunch of games, and he has a really, really good defense. And the same with Minnesota. You know, they've been at that point where they've made it to the NFC Championship. They've made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, they've done things to play at a high level. So, you know, that's why I love the NFL, because you have good on good each and every Sunday. Even if a team 
you know, it's two and, you know, 13 coming into their last game, they still try to find a way to win. You saw that with the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots late in the season. So I think at the end of the day, you look at the quarterback matchups, and uh, I still give my nod to the Ravens uh, with, with Lamar Jackson, just the way that Lamar's playing. And again, I say the way that Lamar's playing as a young guy, that's because Greg Roman, his offensive coordinator, is calling the plays that fit what Lamar does. He's not trying to put Lamar into an offense where he has to drop back and do all these things that he doesn't do. I mean, he, he's a guy that can, you know, move around. Don't get me wrong, he throws the ball great, but he's also a guy that's very versatile. And I think the Ravens allow him to do that. So whichever team, you know, really doesn't turn the ball over and wins the, uh, the turnover margin in these games this weekend will be the ones that, you know, make it to their side of the championship the following week. It's funny, as we let you go, E.J. Manuel joining us on the David Glenn Show. Uh, you mentioned earlier you don't want to be all, you know, wobbly-kneed at 45. Since I'm on the other side of that 45 number, I can totally identify with that. But I also didn't spend any time in the NFL being chased by large, angry men. I wonder, E.J., like at this stage of life, since you've turned the page and you're now in broadcasting, what is the most dangerous thing that E.J. Manuel does? Like, you know, dodging potholes in the parking lot? Because that sounds a lot simpler than, you know, 260-pounders angry at you uh, who run four five forties. Right. Yeah, uh, well, I, I would say the most dangerous thing I do right now, uh, maybe pick up basketball, uh, you know, a few times a week at the gym. Nah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, man, I looked at it. I had, you know, I tore my meniscus my rookie year, then I tore my meniscus last year when I was training, uh, waiting to get back on the team. And, you know, for me, once the opportunity showed to get into broadcasting, that that's something that I know will scale, it'll grow. And uh, I, I love still talking ball. Don't get me wrong, I do miss playing. Yeah. I miss going out there with, you know, a team and with my brothers. And, obviously, I was with the Chiefs, like I said, so I could have been on that team that's now about to play the Texans uh, coming up into this game. But at the end of the day, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes, and I'm extremely happy doing what I'm doing now. And, uh, you know, I'm just working toward getting better each and every week. So, you know, as far as what's dangerous, though, I, I can't really say, Dave. I don't really put myself in hard way anymore. <laughs> like people harassing you for selfies is now the trickiest part of your day. That's that's a nice well, look, step up, right? The funny thing is, I live, I live in L.A., man, so a lot of times people ah. just kind of give you a head nod. There's a bunch of... Raider fans out here, but nobody really stops you on the street like that anymore because it's Hollywood. That's true. I've spent some time in L.A. It is amazing. There can be some mega famous people that folks pretty much leave alone. E.J., thanks for the visit, man. Congratulations on your uh, beautiful transition from football playing to football analysis. I hope you get to enjoy the games, and uh, we'll be knocking on your door again down the road. Happy New Year from the David Glenn Show. All right, thanks, EJ. Take it easy, man. You got it. Right back at you. EJ Manuel from Florida State to the NFL to the ACC Network. Chris Spatola live in about 15 minutes on college basketball. ACC teams are in action tonight and tomorrow night. The four based here in North Carolina are all Wednesday night matchups. Number two, Duke, goes to Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets, of course, just beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. Wake Forest which has a great non-conference win over Xavier and a nice conference win at Pitt more recently, hosts Florida State tomorrow night. The Seminoles are looking like the second-best team in the ACC behind Duke, given their win over the Cardinals in Louisville. Carolina is struggling mightily at 8-6. and six. Good team with Cole Anthony, imperfect but dangerous. Bad team without Cole Anthony, who is still recovering from his knee surgery. 8-6 and six UNC hosts Pitt 
and they need to get some wins before Cole Anthony comes back, or they are going to be in an ugly place in the bubble conversation that always surrounds the NCAA tournament. NC State is coming off a disappointing loss at Clemson. The Wolfpack also in action tomorrow night as they host Notre Dame, which is coming off a nice win at Syracuse. So four intriguing matchups tomorrow. There are three other games tonight. We'll talk college hoops nationally and closer to home with Chris Spatola, who worked under Coach K for a while on the Duke staff, now with ESPN and The Athletic and Sirius XM. One more guest later, more of your calls now. The big news across North Carolina as we come at you live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns is, of course, the hiring by the Carolina Panthers, just the fifth full-time head coach in the history of the organization. His name is Matt Rule. He did amazing turnaround jobs at Temple in the American Athletic Conference and at Baylor more recently in the Big 12. What do you think of the hire? What do you want to know about Matt Rule? We gave you some of his bio earlier. And question of the day more broadly, what is your most vivid memory, good or bad, of that really successful college head coach who attempts the leap to NFL head coach? And I don't mean the guys who went back and forth. Again, Bill Walsh of the 49ers was a longtime NFL assistant prior to jumping from Stanford to the San Francisco job in the NFL. So he's a little bit more of a hybrid When Steve Spurrier tried the jump, it didn't work out well in Washington. When Nick Saban tried the jump, it did not work out well for his two years in Miami with the Dolphins. Butch Davis, Bobby Petrino, Mike Riley, Lou Holtz, Chip Kelly. There are more nightmares and failures than there are success stories when you try to translate high-level college head coaching success to NFL head coaching success. Different dynamics, different rules in some cases, and certainly different kinds of people that you're trying to lead in that locker room. You can jump in with your questions, your comments on that big NFL news of the day. Did you know Joe Judge was an NFL assistant coach? Whether you did or not, he is now the new head coach of the New York Giants. So one more dominoes falls on the coaching carousel. We'll explore more, including the matchups of the weekend to come. Eight teams still standing. The Ravens and the Chiefs, to me, are the best of those eight. They face lower seeds in the AFC side of the bracket this weekend as the NFC side, to me, looks a lot less predictable. one 800 849-2761. More on Panthers head coach Matt Rule with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. NCN Sports, I'm Josh Zach. Multiple sources are reporting that the Carolina Panthers are set to hire Baylor coach Matt Rule as the team's next head coach. Who's Matt Rule and why Matt Rule? WCNC-TV sports director Nick Carboni fills in those blanks. He's a guy that a lot of people think can make the transition to the NFL game. He's got experience in the NFL. He was an offensive line coach under Tom Coughlin with the New York Giants. He's a coach that players seem to really like and respect, but he's also somebody that commands a room, and I think that is a big part of why David Tepper was attracted to this candidate so much. The Panthers have yet to officially confirm rules higher. The injury bug continues to impact Duke's season. Wendell Moore Jr 
here is the latest Blue Devil to miss time due to injury. Head coach Mike Krzyzewski spoke some about the injury during Monday's ACC coaches teleconference. It's the fourth metacarpal. We're on it right away. We think everything's going to be good, but he'll be out for a while, and he will not travel to uh, Georgia Tech. The school said Moore successfully underwent surgery Monday. He will be out indefinitely, but is expected to return this season. The Blue Devils taking on Georgia Tech tomorrow night. The Carolina Hurricanes are 5-5 five and five over their last 10 games, but they've won just two of their last seven, and they're currently riding a two-game skid. They're looking to stop the bleeding tonight when the Flyers limp into Raleigh. For the Flyers, tonight's game is... The last frame of a six-game road trip in which they've lost four of five, including the last three straight. Rod Brindamore commented on tonight's matchup with a team that the Carolina Hurricanes have played twice this season and lost two twice this season. To me, same old story. They got the same old guys that you always got to watch and can really you know, kill you. But I think they're a lot deeper now than they've been in the past and, and a lot more uh, formidable team for sure. The Hurricanes 2-2 two and two through the first four games of a seven-game homestand in Raleigh. First face-off between the Canes and Flyers at 7 tonight from PNC Arena. This is NCN Sports. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is... What is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ag Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 911, what is your emergency? My kid shot himself. All right, where's the wounds? 911, what's your emergency? Please help. My son shot his brother. 911, what is your emergency? 911, please state your emergency. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. 
catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Show Chris Spatola on College Hoops later this hour. Your chance to chime in on the big news of the day right now. Matt Rule is the new head coach of your Carolina Panthers. What do you think of the hire? What do you want to know about him? We gave you much of his bio earlier. No arguing with the turnarounds he pulled off at two college football programs that for long stretches of their histories were perennial doormats. First at Temple. Then at Baylor, the Owls in Philadelphia were 2-10 in his first year and then posted the second and third 10-win seasons in the history of the program by his third and fourth years. Included was the Owls playing his own alma mater, Penn State. Remember, he played linebacker, not often, not with distinction. He was a walk-on for the Nittany Lions, but he played for Joe Paterno at Penn State. Part of his tenure at Temple including a head-to-head, included a head-to-head victory over Penn State. That doesn't happen very often in Temple football history. Ten wins, seasons don't have happen very often. He has his signature on two of the three, ten or more win seasons in Temple football history. Baylor sees what he does at Temple. They hire him in 2017. He's 1-11 with the Bears his first year, 7-6 his second year, and then 11-1 in the regular season this year before losing in the Big 12 championship game to Oklahoma and then the Sugar Bowl to Georgia. Those are two of the best opponents you could have in all of college football. So 11-3 was the final number. He went from 1-8 in his first year with the Bears to 8-1 in conference play by his third and final year at Baylor. 1-800-849-2761. The optimists are saying only Dabo and Nick Saban and a few others had better track records as college football coaches in the last decade. The pessimists are saying, yeah, but most guys who jump from college to the pros fall on their face. Even Steve Spurrier, even Nick Saban, even Lou Holtz back in the day, even Chip Kelly more recently. Question of the day for you, what's your most vivid memory, good or bad, of that successful college head coach attempting the leap to NFL head coach? Matt Rule is the latest to attempt that leap. As we go to Eric in Durham and you at 1-800-849-2761, questions and comments on all of those and more in the NFL are welcome. You know the one guarantee today, Darren Vaught, that I can give you on the NFL coaching carousel the Browns are the only ones still looking for a coach by the way now there are no guarantees for Matt Rule with the Panthers or even Joe Judge who is in the process of being hired by the New York Giants so we have Ron Rivera to Washington we have Mike McCarthy to Dallas and now we know two more dominoes are in the process of falling Matt Rule to the Panthers Joe Judge to the New York Giants the Browns say they'll have their coach by this weekend And I can give you some of the updates there in just a bit. But here's a guarantee, maybe the only guarantee, in a world filled with wins and losses. You know who wins today, Darren? Headline writers. Headline writers win today. (laughs) Okay. Can't you see it? (laughs) Yeah. Matt Rule, spelled R-H-U-L-E. Can't tell me you're not going to see. If the Panthers do well, tell me you're not going to see Panthers rule NFC South. With a little H in rule, right? Right. You're going to see it. Yep. Of course you are. 
And with Aaron Judge, the Yankee sluggers, allowing headline writers in and around the Big Apple, I mean, they've got it all down pat, right? If you can squeeze... <laughs> Using the name Judge oh, specifically, yeah. crying out loud. <laughs> can you see it now? If the Giants struggle early, I can see the headline on one of the tabloids. Have a complaint about the Giants? Tell it to the judge, right? <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Big day for headline writers. Whether it's a big day in terms of future success for the Panthers or Giants, that is a different matter entirely. Eric, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, DG. Uh, happy New Year's to you, your staff, and your family. Hey, thank you very much. Right back at you. Um, so I am uh, calling. I'm calling about the Matt Rule hire, and I'm going to say what I got to say, and then hang up and listen yeah. to what you have to say. So uh, I think it's fair to be skeptical about the hire, just because you know he he has done great things with Temple and uh, Baylor, but so have like you mentioned before, Nick Saban. He that, that's the one that sticks out in my yeah. mind. He if you if I remember correctly, he's coming off of the national championship at LSU and then gets hired by the Dolphins. And does not do well. Fifteen and seventeen um, over two years with Miami, and if I mean, and that's arguably the greatest coach in college football history, and even he couldn't do it at the NFL level. Right, and and for the record, if the Panthers draft Jedrick, Jedrick, look, Jedrick Willis Jr. from the from the Alabama Crimson Tide or uh, Okuda from Ohio State, I will be one happy Panthers fan. All right. Thanks, CG. We'll put you down for that. More draft talk leading up to that with the Panthers having number seven, assuming they keep it. Uh, a lot of people pulling David Tepper and Marty Herney in a lot of different directions. Need OL help. Need your future quarterback. You know, need to stop the run. The Panthers were one of the worst run defenses in modern NFL history this year, according to some of the analytics. So a lot of holes to plug, if you will, as the Panthers turn to the Matt Rule era, 1-800-849-2761. There are success stories. College coaches jumping to the NFL. I gave you maybe a dozen failures, and when the failures include Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, and Lou Holtz, it just gets a little scary, right? Now, some of those were longer ago than others. But Jimmy Johnson did go from the Miami Hurricanes to the Dallas Cowboys and did win two Super Bowls. Barry Switzer did go from the Oklahoma Sooners to the Dallas Cowboys and also helped Jerry Jones to another Super Bowl. John Robinson didn't win the Super Bowl, but when he jumped from Southern Cal to the Rams, they had a lot of playoff teams and a couple trips to the NFC title game. I mean, you can't call that like a face plant. And, of course, Pete Carroll is the modern-day example of a success story, I would argue. Lots of trips to the playoffs with the Seahawks. One Super Bowl ring so far with Russell Wilson and friend. He, of course, was the national championship coach at Southern Cal before jumping to the Seattle Seahawks. George in Nashville, North Carolina, actually has, I believe, another success story. George, way to go into the archives on this one. This guy actually has ties to the ACC, but also several trips to the playoffs, I remember, as an NFL head coach. Go ahead, George. Welcome to the program. It'd be uh, Bobby Ross. He actually won or shared a national championship uh, at Georgia Tech with Colorado. Yeah, I remember that. Stayed another year and then left for the uh, NFL for the San Diego Chargers. I think he even made it to the uh, AFC Championship one year. I remember he made it to the playoffs at least three times in, what, five or so years? So, again, that's a mild success story, a pretty good success story. Uh, no Super Bowl, but you'd have to put, if you're only, if it's a binary decision, 
successful college coaches trying to make the leap to the NFL, if it's either just thumbs up or thumbs down, Spurrier and Saban and Butch Davis and Bobby Petrino and Mike Riley and Lou Holtz and Chip Kelly are all thumbs down. Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, John Robinson, Pete Carroll, Bobby Ross have to be thumbs up. And they're not the only ones on either of those lists, but you get the idea. More nightmares and failures than success stories. We'll see how Matt Rule turns out with your Carolina Panthers. What do you think of the hire? What do you want to know about Matt Rule? More of your phone calls with one more great guest, Chris Batola on college basketball. 1-800-849-2761 is where we'll get back to your calls just a little bit. In college hoops, y'all know it's true chaos, right? Six different number one AP teams before the new year that had never happened in the history of college basketball and the poll era, remember, goes all the way back to the 1930s. Six different AP number ones. Gonzaga actually holds that title right now. Duke in our backyard is number two. Devils at Georgia Tech tomorrow. The Yellow Jackets just beat the Heels in Chapel Hill. Wake followed up a really good non-conference win over Xavier with a nice road win over Pitt of the ACC. The Deeks host Florida State tomorrow night. The Seminoles might be the second-best team in the league behind the Blue Devils. Carolina is really struggling without Cole Anthony and even had some issues before he had knee surgery. The Tar Heels host Pitt and trying to get the loss, the bad taste of that loss to Georgia Tech at home out of their mouths. Remember, you better do well on the rest of this homestand. You lost to Georgia Tech. If you're Roy Williams, you were desolate after that game. You have Pitt tonight and then Clemson visiting this weekend. Tar Heels have never lost to the Tigers in men's basketball in Chapel Hill, period. Never, 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 never. I know Clemson's bottom tier of the ACC, but they just beat the Wolfpack, and the Tar Heels are shooting so poorly, you can't say that anything is impossible right now. The, meanwhile, the Wolfpack, I still think, might be like fifth in your ACC power rankings. After the top four, your guess is as good as mine, folks. It's Duke, it's Florida State, it's Louisville, it's Virginia. And then whoever you like next best, I can tell you some holes and some warts and some problems on that team's resume, no matter which team you spit out. Could be the Tar Heels, could be the Wolfpack, could be something else. Everybody else has major issues to address after the top four. We know this league is going to produce more than four NCAA tournament bids. Chris Patola once worked at Duke. He was a star player at Army. He nowadays works for TheAthletic.com, SiriusXM, and also ESPN as a college basketball analyst. There are three ACC games tonight. There are a bunch more tomorrow night. We'll talk Chris Patola on the national scene in college basketball, and, of course, the things going on a little bit closer to home as well. He joins us next on The David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Friends and family, chicken and barbecue. Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue has some friendly people eager to please and just as nice as they can be. That really made my day. My food was so good, I just crave it. Got to have my chicken and barbecue. Join us and have a good time. Dine in, take out, or drive through. Always grateful to serve. Break away from the everyday to Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue. At AT&T, we believe that access to affordable home internet brings you incredible opportunities. 
you can enjoy the power to explore a digital world of possibilities and connect with family, friends, and the things that matter most. That's why there's access from AT&T. If a member of your household is a SNAP participant, you may qualify for home internet at a discounted rate of $10 a month or less. No commitment, no deposit, no installation fee. Plus, get an in-home Wi-Fi gateway included at no extra cost. Call 1-855-220-5211 or visit att.com slash access now to learn more. SNAP refers to the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Pricing excludes taxes and fees. Includes one terabyte of data per month. Data overage charges apply. For details about data allowance, go to att.com slash internet dash usage. Geographic and service restrictions apply. Join the Carolina Hurricanes to celebrate Whalers Night on Saturday, January 11th at 7 p.m. as they honor their heritage with a clash against the L.A. Kings. The Canes will throw it back on the ice in their legendary green sweaters. For all of your Whalers Night details, visit hurricanes.com slash promotions and don't miss a busy January at PNC Arena. For the full schedule and to get your tickets, visit hurricanes.com slash tickets where are the leaders of tomorrow shaped and molded they're shaped on the courts fields mats and tracks of the north carolina high school athletic association the nchsaa is our 419 member schools impacting communities all across the state of north carolina from murphy to mantio the nchsaa is coaches administrators and officials working tirelessly to invest in the next generation of leaders for our great state show if i asked y'all how many teams does the acc usually put into the ncaa tournament you probably guess close to the correct answer over the last four years the average is exactly eight here's the fun part this year as we bring in chris spatola from espn and the athletic and sirius xm we'll get back to the matt rule is the new head coach of the panthers and other nfl here shortly the fun part this year is that you could pretty much bet the ranch, the farm, and the dog that Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Virginia will be four representatives of the ACC come March Madness, assuming something bizarre doesn't happen medically or otherwise. After that, good luck figuring this stuff out, folks, because whoever's number five in your ACC power rankings today might be number 13 a week or two from now, and vice versa. Almost nobody should be counted out, but for a couple exceptions, Everybody is in the hunt, I guess you could say. Chris Spatola, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, David. How are you? Doing really well. Carolina fans are nervous. Wolfpack fans didn't like losing at Clemson. And college basketball experts seem to be scratching their head by and large. Do you see anybody else in this league that looks more like Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Virginia? Or are you as uh, get, playing the guessing game as much as everybody else? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody like those teams, um, <clears throat> but I don't necessarily think those teams are, are, are head and shoulders above the rest. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, look, I think NC State, it's a bad loss to Clemson. I, I've been a believer that if they had their full complement of guys, that they could be in that category of, of right in that next tier. Um, you know, look, I think Georgia Tech's good. I, I, I think with the size they have, with Jordan Usher now in the lineup, 
with Alvarado back, I mean, again, with their full complement of guys, yeah. I felt before the year that they were going to be a better team. Um, but, you know, look, the ACC is reflective of the national landscape. So it's not like the – I mean, I know the ACC is having a down year, but it's, it's not necessarily uh, unreflective of what some of these other leagues are going through. It's just kind of the year that we're having in college hoops, and it may be – in fact, I believe that it is a, a sign of just the way things are going to be now in, in this sport. Here's the weird thing as we contemplate Georgia Tech's win over the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. You follow this stuff all day, every day. But the casual fan might just think North Carolina across the chest. Roy Williams is a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, they might be having some indigestion, but they'll figure it out. Here's my question to you. If you and I were like at the local YMCA and the Georgia Tech players, were the healthy ones, were all standing out there, and the Tar Heel players, no Cole Anthony, just the healthy ones are standing out there, and you and I play the game where you get a pick and I get a pick and we go back and forth, wouldn't like four of the first six picks be Georgia Tech players? Like, aren't hasn't Roy Williams' roster fallen to the point where other than Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott, there's not anybody that an ACC coach is going to go out of his way to pick up, is there? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that's kind of where where they're at. I mean, it's it's um, it's it's been an odd look, you know. If if you had said, you know, not even five years ago, maybe maybe even more recently, that that North Carolina would be playing a Justin Pierce from William and Mary or a, a Christian Keeling from Charleston Southern, or you know, that a Brandon Robinson or a Leaky Black were were supposed to be top of the scattering report kind of guys, I, I think a lot of folks would have looked at you and said, North Carolina, are you kidding me? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been their, their issue. And I've said it many times on, on whatever outlet I'm on, like it's, it's a talent deficit. There's no doubt about it. You've got role players who have been thrust into star positions. Um, and I think their inefficiency offensively is now starting to affect the other end of the floor. Like their problem the other night against Georgia tech, wasn't their offense. You know, they shot 42% from the field. Their best active player had 35 in a game, and they scored 83 points at home. That's got to be good enough to win. The problem is you give, you give up 59% from the field, and you give up 90-plus to, to Georgia Tech. I mean, it just they, they, they just don't have the talent that, they're, that we're accustomed to seeing, and, and it's, um, it's an odd look for North Carolina. Roy Williams knows he has less talent right now as well. What did you make as a guy who once worked under Coach K at Duke and can kind of read his tea leaves from time to time? It's one thing for Roy Williams to be disappointed. It's another thing for him to say he's never felt lower about a head coach and that there were times where when he spoke to five players – he wondered whether four of the five were even listening to him. Like those, even when coaches, and you would know this better than I, even when coaches are frustrated, they don't always share that stuff with the public. How did you interpret Roy Williams just sharing that angst uh, that he was clearly feeling after that loss to the Yellow Jackets? Well, and I'll take that more broadly, David. Like, I'm doing Syracuse tonight, and so I was talking to Coach Beheim yesterday at their practice, and, and he basically echoed essentially the same thing that you just said Roy Williams said. Um, you know, that, that he's, it's his worst defensive team he's ever had. Uh, he can't, you know, he can't get guys to, to execute what they're trying to tell him to do in practice. It's the same stuff, and, 
you know, I think part of it is it's, it's a generation of coaches that are, are dealing with a generation of kids that are different. I mean, I, you know, look, we, we can say all we want that, you know, players and kids and have, have always kind of been the same and older generations have always felt the, that the young generation, it doesn't work as hard or is spoiled or entitled or whatever. The fact of the matter is this generation's different. It is. Uh, I'm telling you, as somebody who sees it every day, it's different. And I think what you're seeing is a generation of coaches, and it's it's not even just guys as old as Roy Williams or Jim Beheim. It's even some sort of those second-tier aged guys who are looking at the sport right now and are saying the, the volatility that we're experiencing is incredibly difficult to project. It's incredibly difficult to figure out how to manage a roster. It's incredibly difficult to communicate with, to, to what you're saying about Roy. There, there are a lot of guys saying what he's saying. And, you know, look, I did Yale, Carolina, and so I had a chance to talk to Roy, and, and you can see the frustration on his face. And, you know, I think sometimes when you have talent that can mitigate some of that, you know, like that's where Coach Beheim has always had that one or two or three guys who could overcome some of the things, the communication differences or the gap. They just don't have it. And part of that is because the best players are leaving the sport every year. But, you know, they, there is no doubt a frustration growing amongst coaches with the way that the game is, is going and, and this generation of guys that they're coaching. To the Duke Blue Devils, they do have the number two national ranking. It has been a month and a half now since they were stunned at home by Stephen F. Austin. That is their only loss to this point. When you watch them here in mid-January as the Devils travel to Georgia Tech uh, and then they host Wake Forest this coming weekend, what has gotten better? Because uh, the Blue Devils just don't seem as vulnerable to that kind of a stunner with Trey Jones, their point guard, with Vernon Carey Jr. looking like a national player of the year, and with some other guys, not just the freshmen, but you know Joey Baker on a given night or somebody else. They just seem to be a better version of themselves a month and a half later. Well, I think they learned a lot from that loss. So, you know, there's, there was a physicality that they just weren't ready to, to, to match in that game. And I think that has changed. I think, look, they're older. I mean, that, that's kind of when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you, when you have an entire roster that's essentially, you know, you're, you're relying on your best players who are young, young guys, uh, time is, is your friend. And, and I, so I think there's an experience level. The other thing, David, like there is a repeatable element to what Duke is doing this year. And that's their defense. Like it, it, they can go in and out offensively and there are guys who are still evolving on that end. But the thing that they continue to do is they are outstanding defensively and it's, it's hard to prepare for the way that they guard. Um, they are figuring out ways to use that defense to then in sort of that old school Duke fashion to then score in the open floor. So there's, it takes some of that pressure off of a young team in the half court offensively. So they don't have to score necessarily as efficient as efficiently so, you know, I, th- I just think defensively they've been able to go out and, and that has become their calling card. And you're going to win games, even games you don't play well offensively, you're going to win games doing that. So, it's, you know, look, again, like there is so much turmoil this time of year because I think we're, we do have more transfers. We do have ro- rosters that are relying on younger and younger guys. And, and so as, as there becomes more time and these young players get more time, they, they get better. 
Chris Spatola joining us on Twitter. He is at Chris underscore Spatola. Find his work at theathletic.com. Hear him on SiriusXM and catch him on ESPN and ESPN.com as well. The last four people I asked this next question gave me four different answers. You kind of started down a couple paths with this, but you'll get the idea. We all know Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Virginia aren't going away. Outside of those four, if you had to, like, pick a horse that you'd bet the most money will end up in the NCAA tournament, some believe, you know, with Cole Anthony returning by the end of the month, it'll be the Tar Heels. Uh, I think the Wolfpack is a pretty good answer to this question, given, as you said, when they have everybody healthy and available, they have a pretty darn good track record. Others are saying, you know, a Notre Dame or a, a Syracuse or even a somebody else. Who jumps out at you after that top four? Yeah, I, I have said NC State all along, and, I, and I'll probably stay with that. Um, and part of that is I, I, I am a believer in Kevin Keats. I, I would Part of me would like to say, given their talent, Georgia Tech, I am not a believer in Josh Pastner. So I, I, I would probably – I would probably beg off that. Although I think in a league where look, there's 20, they're playing 20 games now this year. Right. I, I do believe that that Georgia Tech can probably win enough games to get in. But I, I would say NC State, uh, given the way, the thing that surprised me a little bit with them this year is they haven't gotten as much off their defense as I think Kevin would would want or that I I thought they would. But um, their guard play is experienced and good. They've they've got obviously good size and um, and and if you know if Bryce is healthy, they're they're uh, they're obviously going to be, I think, a tournament team. So I'd probably say that. I'm trying to remember: is Georgia Tech still on appeal with that postseason ban? I can't remember where that stands. Yeah, and they're not going to. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to get that. Yeah. I mean, look, he's he's going to be done, whether they make the tournament or not. You know, he's. It just hasn't gone the way that, Georgia Tech is. I think is a is a sleeping program. I mean, it, and it needs to be awakened by somebody who understands that city, who can get the players that Georgia Tech should be getting. I mean, you know, David, you've been around this league a long time. Like, Georgia Tech's had great teams, and for some reason, they haven't hired the right guys. Uh, they stayed with Paul Hewitt too long. They should, but Brian Gregory, I didn't understand that hire, and then Josh Pastner was a disaster hire. So, uh, you know, he's a nice guy, but it just hasn't worked out that well, and then now all of a sudden they're, they're, they have NCAA stuff. So, um, I think eventually they're, they're, he probably won't be the head coach there anymore, and they'll figure it out. But their talent level—I mean, we saw it on display. They, yeah, like, yeah. You know, that wasn't just about Carolina. That's also Georgia Tech can be can look pretty good. Hey, position by position, you'd rather have Jose Alvarado. You'd rather have Michael DeVoe. You'd rather have James Banks. <laughs> you know, and and the other night you'd rather have Moses Wright as well. So Georgia Tech, yeah, good defensively, uh, but in a lot of other ways, not where they want to be. Chris Spatola of ESPN on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Thanks, as always, for the visit, man. Keep up the good work. All right, David. You be good, man. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts on the college basketball, Carolina Hurricanes, and NFL headlines of the day. The Carolina Panthers have hired a new coach. So have the New York Giants. The Cleveland Browns remain in search mode as Washington, Dallas, New York, and Carolina have all found their guys. What do you think of the Panthers hire? What do you want to know about them? And what is your most vivid memory, good or bad, of the successful college head coach who tries to make the leap to NFL head coach despite little to no NFL experience? Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, Butch Davis, Bobby Petrino, Lou Holtz, Chip Kelly are among the many 
who did not work out well at the pro level after being at times dominant at the college level. That's the challenge for Matt Rule as he jumps from success at Baylor and prior to that, success with the Temple Owls, two often downtrodden programs that reached great heights thanks to Matt Rule. Can he do it with the Panthers? Can he do it in the NFL? We'll see. More on that breaking news of earlier today. I also have Hurricanes hockey tickets to give away. All that is still to come on the David Glenn Show. Davos Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. CN Sports. I'm Josh Zach. Multiple sources are reporting that the Carolina Panthers are set to hire Baylor coach Matt Rule as the team's next head coach. Who is Matt Rule and why Matt Rule? WCNC TV Sports Director Nick Carboni fills in those blanks. He's a guy that a lot of people think can make the transition to the NFL game. He's got experience in the NFL. He was an offensive line coach under Tom Coughlin with the New York Giants. He's a coach that players seem to really like and respect, but he's also somebody that commands a room, and I think that is a big part of why David Tepper was attracted to this candidate so much. The Panthers have yet to officially confirm rules higher. The injury bug continues to impact Duke's season. Wendell Moore Jr is the latest Blue Devil to miss time due to injury. Head coach Mike Krzyzewski spoke some about the injury during Monday's ACC coaches teleconference. It's the fourth metacarpal. We're on it right away. We think everything's going to be good, but he'll be out for a while, and he will not travel to uh, Georgia Tech. The school said Moore successfully underwent surgery Monday. He will be out indefinitely, but is expected to return this season. The Blue Devils taking on Georgia Tech tomorrow night. The Carolina Hurricanes are 5-5 five and five over their last 10 games, but they've won just two of their last seven, and they're currently riding a two-game skid. They're looking to stop the bleeding tonight when the Flyers limp into Raleigh. For the Flyers, tonight's game is... The last frame of a six-game road trip in which they've lost four of five, including the last three straight. Rod Brindamore commented on tonight's matchup with a team that the Carolina Hurricanes have played twice this season and lost to twice this season. To me, same old story. they got the same old guys that you always got to watch and can really you know, kill you. But I think they're much deeper now than they've been in the past and, and a lot more uh, formidable team for sure. The Hurricanes 2-2 two and two through the first four games of a seven-game homestand in Raleigh. First face-off between the Canes and Flyers at 7 tonight from PNC Arena. This is NCN Sports. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. 
Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Number three, your phone calls. What do you think of the Matt Rule hire? What do you want to know about him? And what is your most vivid memory, good or bad, of that successful college head coach attempting the leap to NFL head coach? Panthers fans are mostly optimistic, but we'll come back to your calls. College basketball, Canes tickets, and more. You can be next on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. NCN News, I'm Bruce Farrell. The Trump administration is defending the airstrike that killed Iran's top military commander. More now from Rita Foley. The Trump administration is defending the airstrike that killed Iran's top military commander. The drone strike that killed General Qasem Soleimani was rooted in very strong intelligence, says National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. He was plotting to kill, uh, to, to attack American facilities, and, and diplomats, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines were, were located at those facilities. He didn't provide details, but said the U.S. will not tolerate Tehran's continuing threats. We take those uh, seriously, and we're watching and monitoring them. Moments later, Secretary Mike Pompeo told reporters at the State Department. It was the right decision. We got it right. The Department of Defense did excellent work. Hours earlier, the U.S. warned ships across Mideast waterways that Iran might act against U.S. interests in the region. Rita Foley, Washington. Thousands of Fort Bragg soldiers are at the center of the response in the Middle East following that U.S. drone attack killing an Iranian general. Most of the 82nd Airborne soldiers deployed on short notice. Brianna Ferry married one of those soldiers. She spoke to W. 
XII. It was kind of like a crashing mm -hmm. of our world because he left without a moment's notice. Since New Year's Day, nearly 4,000 troops have been deployed from Fort Bragg. A man attempted of accused of attempting to kill a woman was shot and killed after a chase across three counties. Suspects spotted this morning in Rowan County. Deputies began a chase that went through Davidson County before officers performed a maneuver at the North Carolina Zoo in Randolph County. The sheriff says a deputy has opened fire. He was pronounced dead on the scene. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake struck Puerto Rico before dawn today. One person dead, at least eight others injured, and collapsing buildings are being reported in the southern part of the island. You're listening to NCN News.